Oh, yeah, we're back at it. Don't fall in love with a podcast that no longer exists. Luckily, this one does again. It's your boy, Brian Campbell, one half, of course, of the morning combat duo, giving you the bonus once again. Little MK Boxing Hardcores. We got a lot to chat about this week. The man on the other side of that window. If you don't know him, you should. He's a New York Times bestselling author, one of the best next boxing writers in the game today rafe bartholomew my friend my brother my cohort welcome back into the box how is it my friend i'm pretty fired up brian that was a big weekend i know you've been talking about it nonstop. i'm glad that you get to that, that i can come on and just junk everything up with my garbage takes okay put your junk in your junk there uh please like the video subscribe if you're coming to this show, The Morning Combat, Luke Thomas and myself for MMA, we are sprinkling more of that box each week. So enjoy what we do here. It's Rafe. It's myself. It's our third co-host, of course, the soundboard in itself. That'll be a part of it. You might be saying, what is boxing hardcore? What does that, what does that even mean? You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. Yeah, that's who we are. You're fans who keep track of the sport week to week indeed okay so we're gonna get we're gonna have to get inside on you the soundboard's gonna be a big part of it a little bit of ridiculousness here as rafe and i reunite right we've been doing boxing podcasting between two weird white guys from the beginning from back in the grantland days in 2015 all right so we're well credit criticized credit credentialed and ready to go all righty then there we go let's loosen up a little bit here uh rafe bartholomew we come this week to react, of course, to the to the overall fallout, the hangover of what was a great fight for the sport, a bit you know, big gift to people in the box game. Teofimo Lopez Jr. You already heard me break it down. Unanimous decision over Vasily Lomachenko. Maybe now has all four lightweight undisputed titles. Although I think I have to check the Cop and Pug show to hear Mike Coppinger send Mauricio to hell about the old franchise thing. But I want to get race reaction. Most importantly, we want to find out where Lopez now fits in in this mythical boxing pound-for-pound top 10. Look, I care about this. To me, this is the true currency of the sport. It's not just two white guys in their basements, Rafe. Pound-for-pound matters to me because it's the only way we can sort of compare in a sport where there's different divisions, the best don't always face the best. A lot of that, a lot of what happens is up here, right? Right? You know, we take images, we, we build material for later, you know what I'm talking about? And we just sort of have matchup Mondays and decide who's better, who's best. That's what the pound for pound is all about, bro. Okay. I know a, you- a little, a little devil's advocate, BC. Um, some might say that pound for pound is just a marketing ploy, that it's a mythical list, fights that most of the time don't happen, often in many cases are impossible because they're, they reflect fighters in weight classes, you know, 50 pounds apart from each other. And it's just something that we in the media do to spark up a little bit of interest, uh, spice up a week when we got nothing else going on, uh, piss off our, our viewers and our listeners and our readers and let them call us idiots for getting, uh, say, Naoya Inoue one, one ranking too low or something of the sort. Uh, but I, 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 that's not how I feel, Brian. I love, I, I, I love me some pound for pound rankings. All right. So I'm ready to get in it. Not just guys in their basement where I am right now, okay? It's currency in this sport. You did mention sparking it up in boxing. My advice to everybody who's scared to death is smoke a lot of weed. Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much, Bob. Hopefully, Rafe, you did see that that Bob interview with uh, 
with the with the British guy where somebody in the background was playing techno music and Bob Stefan's <laughs> house. He's like, he's like, Mom, Meatloaf, shut that thing, shut that shit off. Great, great moments in Bob Aram history right there. Oh, uh, let's not beat around the bush anymore, though, Rafe. I want to get right into it. People want to hear your take. They've heard enough of my voice. Lopez upsets Lomachenko. Uh, we had Lomachenko as high as number one pound for pound coming in. I had him number two. He'd been right around my number one forever. Your thoughts on, on what I would have to be a surprising outcome here. Yeah, Brian, it was, uh, I mean, I loved the fight. I know that the first six rounds were very slow, largely due to the way Vasily Lomachenko approached the fight and didn't feel comfortable engaging really at the in the first half and gave away most of the fight right there. Um, but just seeing that happen, something that we had never seen, something that I didn't even anticipate because I, I didn't, I, I, I knew how dangerous Teofimo Lopez was going into this fight. I believed that. I also believed that Vasily Lomachenko knew and believed those facts too, but no part of me thought that his initial response to that or the, if it was a game plan or just how he read the moment was going to be to be so inactive to throw less than 10 punches in many of the first uh, six rounds to basically just protect, you know, stay, stay, stay out of the, the pocket, not engage. And on that topic right there, hit pause on your take. Yeah. Why did Vasily Lomachenko, a guy who's sort of known for taking the lead, he's not the traditional jab, jab, right hand counter. He's a Southpaw magician. Why over oh, six and a half, seven rounds, was he, you know, basically sterile out there? Uh, you know, sometimes overnight, you know, you get a little older and you just can't get it up anymore. I don't know if that's full-on sterility, but it can, uh, it can affect your performance in a big moment, and we did see that with Lomachenko. But, Brian, seriously, um, I think it was a, a mixture of, of, of factors here. I don't think that was his game plan. I think that if Lomachenko senses he can go in and do work he's going to do that so it was what Teofimo Lopez did to 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 tell to signal to his opponent Lomachenko in the ring don't come in here because I got some trouble waiting for you all right and and Lomachenko's feeling that he was now a lot of the punches early in the fight from Teofimo Lopez except for that right to the body you know, I think Lomachenko was blocking a lot of them, was not really getting hit clean, but you, he still could feel the power behind them and could sense the quickness, the reflexes, the ability of Lopez to catch him coming in if he tried that, if he decided to step on the gas and take the risks that he took later in the fight earlier. Now, at the so, so I, on one hand, I think, and, and we were wondering but going into this fight, how are Lopez's advantages in size and strength and overall athleticism? I mean, Lomachenko is an incredible athlete. Lopez is a nuclear, once-in-a-generation crazy athlete who also can box. You don't think that the guy's doing backflips off of one leg. That doesn't help you in a boxing ring that much, but – who's a test man right Roman I mean is the test man he's not the machine I mean he's which, Brady right he's kind of like Peyton Manning Lomachenko's a quarterback he's Brady he's Montana sorry about that sorry. which which brings me to the second half of that point which is that even though I could understand why Lomachenko you know felt saw sensed danger and decided not to engage early or really for a half or more of the fight I was still disappointed that he didn't because 
this is Vasily Lomachenko. And no matter how good the man across from him is, I expected him to have the confidence and the ability to go in and do more under difficult circumstances, to fight on even terms, to not concede the middle of the ring, to not concede those rounds, to, to actually try. So, okay, this is harder than anything I've ever faced. This is not, this ain't going to be easy, but still go. And, and I think you saw later in the fight when he did engage because it was getting so late, he had no choice. He did very well. He did. He did finish like a man straight up. He figured out the angles. He took the chances. He bit down. He landed the bigger punches in the second half, save for that ending of the 12th. Round. Right. I think I look, I think that he should have tried that earlier. I think he should have started round three, round four, round five. I know that's easy to say. And I know that also exposes him to a probably much higher chance of getting knocked out, getting hurt badly in a way that changes the rest of the fight. But still, what he did felt like hesitancy, felt like not really trying to win, not, 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 doing, not giving himself a chance. It was, like, it was like Mikey Garcia against Errol Spence hiding behind his jab the whole night and just trying to survive. Boxing Floyd Mayweather in the late rounds when he's down 10 to nothing on our scorecards, although C.J. Ross, that woman judge, please, that's why I'm upset to end quote Teddy Atlas right there. Uh, I want to bring up one of the best quotes that we play on our show often here from Errol Spence. We good friends. I love you, daddy. But let's get it out. Uh, we love Papachenko. We love Anatoly Lomachenko, the, the Ukrainian trainer to the stars. People have asked Loma, what's the secret to your style? Is it the Ukrainian traditional dance? Uh, no, it's not. I think it's secret. It's a uh, Papachenko. Yeah. yeah. Well, not on this night, Rafe. Do you throw the same level of shade and criticism that I did at Papachenko for rounds four and five, telling his son, you got it, chill, you're good, calm down. I mean, did, is it as easy to say the reason why he gave away the first half of that fight was 50% that, that Lopez was faster and more accurate than the Lomachenko's thought and 50% that they just thought if we wait around, he's going to F up and screw up. This kid's going to blow it. You're blowing it, kid, right? No one got blown, Rafe. Oh, unfortunately not. But um, Brian, I think it look, that's bad advice. That's that that was bad cornering. He was wrong. I don't blame I st- I put more the blame the blame and the glory goes to the actual fighter, not his corner. It's Lomachenko. Lomachenko was in there. He's been fighting his entire life, most more in his amateur career, right? He's had a relatively abbreviated professional career but has accomplished a ton a shitload in that amount of time brian and if he couldn't figure out that he was losing those rounds and i know i look your fighter is proud a fighter will say what he says in his interviews afterwards i don't i'm not upset that he's like oh i think i won whatever uh but deep inside if he didn't know that he was losing those rounds that he didn't do enough to win them then i don't know what's wrong with him um and so i honestly i think it's lomachenko's fault or if it, if if it's not his fault it's the decision he made and he if he thought that he'd be able to turn it up enough to stop lopez late or to maybe get a, a force a close decision victory he he severely miscalculated not just because of 
how, you know, of, of waiting too late to get started, but underestimating how good Lopez would be and, and how Lopez would eventually respond in that incredible 12th round that Lopez had to kind of seal the deal and put his stamp on that fight. Um, you know, and I, and I do think it's all of those things, but I don't think it's as easy as, well, by round seven, Lomachenko decided, okay, I've given up enough. I got to go for it. It may have taken him seven rounds, Rafe, with Lopez slowly losing stamina for him to feel comfortable that the opening was actually there. And that's a credit to the kid, right? You got to fight with a Thailand guy. No, this is Honduran guy. Fight, uh, with a, a Thailand guy. And the Honduran guy could fight Lomo. So that's what we found out. Before I get your score, before we transition into pound for pound, uh, you know, the news as we record this today is that Lomachenko had shoulder surgery after this fight, that he went to Dr. Uh, Elitraj. The, the 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 shoulder man for the stars you know same guy who did manny before manny healed himself swimming in the the seas south of general santo city swimming with the tunas you know loma had history in the past after the lenars fight with shoulder issues or maybe it was before the lenar, I don't know, one of the two but you know it was a problem and now you're getting Agus clemens coming out and uh not talking about preparing his hoers right coming out and saying we needed the injection before the fight we had an issue it's sour grace. It's after the fact. If you want to heal yourself like Manny did when he didn't try to knock out Mayweather, just jump in the salt water. But do you put any extra stock in this? Is there an excuse built in? I mean, what, what do you got here with this? Injury? No, it doesn't matter. And also, he didn't fight like he was nursing a, a badly injured shoulder. He let both hands go when he got into range. He landed significant punches with them, punches that it looked like Teofimo Lopez felt and was bothered by and at times felt was was even a little bit hurt and dazed by. So I no, I don't think so. And even if it was, I mean, this is this is the story in boxing and in professional sports in general. Athletes, well, they sleep with a lot of women, as Paulie once told us. 2013, yes, please. Well, some things, some things are uh, eternal, Brian. And at this, but but no, athletes they're often hurt, they're often dinged up, and they go in and still perform at a world class level. Vasily Lobachenko did that too. It just wasn't enough. He he, you know, he lost the fight. That's that's it. All right, all right. Well, let's get to the scoring real quick. I had it one sixteen, one twelve. I incorrectly in the instant analysis I had it seventeen. So I had it eight to four. We, you know, some people, Andre Ward gave you a, a borderline Carl Frost scorecard there. I was looking for all the 10-10s where he's going to lie it up in there. He had a 114 even. I found a lot more people that did have it fairly close where they thought Lopez winning that last round won the whole thing. Turns out it was wider. It was 116-112, 117-111. And then Julie Letterman entered the picture at 119-109. So Rafe. We tried to get her on the pod today to talk about this, to break this down, but you specifically have a rule on this podcast as a pertains. I'm going to make you my girlfriend. No, not you that know? rule, Mike Tyson, this one. I normally don't do interview with women the left. I fornicate. And that was not part of the equation, so she's not here. But you know, Rafe, uh, look, I'm, we're, we're playing jokes with great sounding history if you're new to this show. Um, you know, you want to get Teddy upset about C.J. Ross, about Adolescent Bird, about Julie Letterman. That woman judge who had it even, please, please, that's why I'm on fire. Because I started thinking about her. Because I started thinking about her. Do you let her drive a vote? Uh, Rave, how much do, do, does, you know, should we take the keys away from, from the daughter of the great uh, Harold Letterman here? How bad is that scorecard in your eyes? Where did you fall in the spectrum? Because Teofimo Sr. said Julie Letterman was the only one who seemed to sum it up right. I thought it was a shutout. 
Brian, I, I got to tell you, Brian, he, you know, Julie Letterman had this scorecard, Brian. I don't know what she was doing. She, I, I mean, she's like a living caricature of her late great father, Harold Letterman, the unofficial score for HBO boxing all those years. And you know, Harold, he, he liked the, he favored the aggressive fighter, but this is, this is that on steroids. This is that beyond any comprehension. So be as it may, let's send her to boxing hell. Uh, thank you. Uh, all right. How did you score this one? What was the- um, so yeah, this is where I invite the ridicule of you, our listeners, uh, our friends on Twitter. Don't do it. Don't do uh, well, it. First of all, you have no grounds to even go here. Don't don't even go here with me with all the score. You're the king of the bad scorecard, BC. 115, 113 Thurman over Pacquiao. It's, it's, in, it's in play. Okay. 114, 112 Trout over Canelo. It's I saw it. It happened, bro. Okay. It, it, you know, people are trying to say it didn't exist at the end of the day. It did exist. It did happen. We both know it did exist. Okay. So, uh, we, don't tell me, you know how you will break my heart if you tell me, oh, I wasn't really scoring. I was just drinking a beer and, uh, it looked like Loma one. I like, don't, what do you, what do you got? Well, it definitely didn't look like Loma one to me, but scoring round by round, uh, and not look, did I put in a ton of effort? Was I treating it like it mattered? No, but I still was keeping it in my head. So I, I will, I will eat whatever comes to me for this. I, I, and I felt bad when it happened. I had the Andre Ward draw scar scorecard exactly, Brian. And uh, look, the rounds two and seven, I felt were, 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 were both real dicey for that scorecard. And I, at the time I was giving them to Loma, kind of, I was doing that thing. I was like, well, you know, let's, let's, let's make this a little interesting. Right. I was, I was trying to, but I, so there was really that rounds eight through 11 when you're looking at your phone, you're like, ah, who cares? It's only these guys lives at stake. Right. Oh, look, I ain't, I I ain't a real judge. And the real judges, I think were worse, less justifiable, or at least in Julie Letterman's case, less justifiable than that scorecard. Um, I think, look, Max Kellerman, uh, some people are big fans of Max's. Some people are not. He does no boxing. I have agreed with the way he has discussed the scoring on Twitter and that there were basically 10 very clear rounds in the fight. The four that, that Lomachenko swept, whether that would be eight through 11, and then everything else to Teofimo Lopez except two and seven. And look, both of those, I was like, I'm giving this to Loma, but I don't know if I really, I don't think he's actually going to get get them on a real judge's scorecards and he didn't but there was i he whatever i I did what i did it's too late i'm not taking it back it's too late i i did it if you edit six six i'm not gonna i mean can you read can you can you read my lips here if my lip reading is correct he called him a bitch yeah i wasn't going that far right right but i will tell you that uh i mean look at the end of the day if we're two rounds off that's why boxing scoring is like the people going nuts about boxing scoring is more even sometimes more ridiculous than the actual score. You know what we didn't get here? We didn't get typical boxing. We didn't get we didn't get one eighteen one ten for Lomachenko, right? It wasn't like a split decision win for Lopez, and you're like, good God, they paid off that other guy. Now there are some people that certainly can make the boxing conspiracy argument if judges are paid off, which I'm not here to say, although. We have seen it. We have seen it. I know we've seen it. Uh, that, that well, maybe they thought Lopez is the long-term money guy, so he got the wide scorecard on purpose. I'm not even here to say that. The rounds were kind of close. Like, even though Lopez, we're going to say, dominated the first seven rounds of the fight, and even though he did, by the way, 
land body shots that that change the the course of that fight and kind of swell up Loma's face. I think you would agree with me, Rave, that he wasn't like overwhelmingly dominating. What he was doing was taking the only things Loma was giving him and saying, I'm content and poised enough to score with these things you're giving me and be fine winning the rounds like that. So if you threw around a Lomachenko or two even in that stretch because you said, well, he did better than he did earlier, which sometimes people fall victim to, can you, you can't put somebody in the fire for that. This ain't Joan of Arc, right? I hope not. I'm not trying to get burned at a stake. All right. Is there any other famous burnings I should, I should think about? Oh, uh, wasn't Jason burned a few times in the uh, Friday the 13th films? Yeah, yeah probably. All right. All right. It, it, it didn't hurt him, though. All right, so we, Richard Pryor, a famous burning. Um, do you agree with this characterization? No. The hipster idea coming in was that, you know, this may end up looking like Mayweather Canelo, where Lopez just isn't ready and he carries out a bad game plan or he loses his poise. Turns out that was not the case. There were some smart people ahead of time who said, I think it may look a little bit more like Oscar and Pernell Whitaker. But I had a good boxing friend of mine, Chris Mettler, who texted me right after the uh, old school fan of the uh, Saved by the Boxing Chat, by the way, ESPN.com back. What up, Igor? Um, uh, Chris said, look, we thought we were getting Joe Calzaghe, Jeff Lacey. And instead, we got Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor won. I I think he kind of nailed it, right? I like that. I like that. I, I Going in last week, I did think that the Calzaghe-Lacey you know, scenario was a possibility. Uh, look, to, to people who thought that Lomachenko was going to be too much, that Lopez was too inexperienced, wasn't ready to deal with that, that's not, that was not an outrageous take going into this fight, nor, were, nor was the take that Lopez, with his power and reflexes, speed, all of that, was going would 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 flatten Loma would knock him out. Neither of those things happened, but those were well within the range of reasonable predictions because there was so boxing doesn't always give you a lot to work with. These two fighters each only had fifteen pro fights coming into this fight, and Lopez especially had never other than Richard Kami hadn't fought anybody really that in, that, that that could tell us anything about how he might do. And he blew him away, right? Is Diego Magdalene the only quasi-elite win he had before? Way late in, I mean, I, I, Diego Magdaleno is is down from quasi-elite to big gatekeeper status by the time, you know, Teofimo got to him. Looking and handsome, too, as well. Please. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's transition into this now. We, we, we laid the foundation. This had a chance to really shake up the pound-for-pound rankings. Most people had Lomachenko one, two, or three coming in. Lopez, obviously, unranked. It's always hard to gauge when somebody doesn't have the resume to equal the eye test. We went through that with Golovkin for years. But then they go F around and beat one of the top two or three guys. And you're like, what do we do? When Sri Saket Sorungvisai went from eating rats and in, in, uh, holding up the uh, the boombox to uh, to Peter Gabriel's, uh, you know, at and that what was a say anything was a movie. Um, and then he went and left around and beat Chocolatito. I put him at like seven or eight. Then when he went and knocked out Chocolatito in the rematch, it was like, this guy might be a top five or six fighter in the world. Um, I want to break this down in increments here. I just published on CBSSports.com my updated pound for pound top 10. Uh, you've got your own as well. But let's just start with this basis. Does a win, and it was it was close but convincing from both of our viewpoint. Although you did have it a draw, but you get what I'm saying. No, but I still look. It was one of those things where I scored round by round and came out with a score. I was like, oh man, I somebody got the score wrong. 
something. My eye te- my eyes told me something else. You know what I mean? I'm not. I, I don't always have that feeling. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. Two hours in the Two day. Hours in the day too. Uh, do you think that victory alone, 100%, regardless of where he is in your top 10, pushes this man, Teofimo Lopez, into the top 10? No doubt. Yeah, top 10, I, I cannot see a argument for keeping him out. You, you, he just convincingly beat the fighter that has been number one on almost everyone's list at some point in time in recent years and who a lot of people still had as number one and who I would have argued going into this fight was the most deserving number one still out there. So, yeah, he deserves to be in the top ten. I think if we put him in and look, Brian, this messes up. There have been two fights. You know, it's weird in a, in a year where, you know, because of the pandemic, boxing has not been able to have its normal schedule. There have been two fights that really threw gigantic monkey wrenches into pound for pound, pound for pound lists and rankings because first Tyson Fury's win over Deontay Wilder, which was so eye opening and made such a strong case that he had to be in there. But then it's like, what happens to Usyk? If you think Usyk is better pound for pound, but wouldn't beat Fury at heavyweight. What, how the hell do you deal with that? Likewise with this Lopez, I think if you put him in there, you can't put him. I know you did this and I know a lot of people did this and I, I, I look, it's pound for pound. So nothing is as long as you can back up your own idea it's good. I think the people like screaming at each other online right now over very small differences are kind of silly. But well, don't have Vladimir Klitschko number one after Floyd retires. No one would ever do that, Brian. No one ever would. Has anyone ever tried to do that? I don't think so. No. And <laughs> Brian, don't look at me. It was that damn Sasquatch that ate all the kids' lunches. Yeah. But the way I look at it, Brian, if you're gonna put. Teofimo Lopez into your top 10, and I think you need to, you also can't put him behind Vasily Lomachenko because he, ju- I know you did, but he just beat Lomachenko. So how do you do that? I'll, I peeped a lot of top 10s as I was compiling mine as I'm watching. A lot of guys. Complex, Ring Magazine. Um, complex? Who I, gives a... It just complex? It just happened to pop up. They have boxing at Complex? The thing is that you're saying is when it comes to doing your pound for you want to. Do you still wear Echo Unlimited? Why are we talking about complex? I don't look at things, right? I've looked at a lot of guys. Right? You know, you want to, you know. Let's look at the entire man. Thank you, Richard Dwyer. And when I when I found the guy, there was something I wanted when I came in, right? I want, I want guys. Yeah. And it's specifically, right? I have beautiful guys. So, jokes aside, um, people have different needle leanings on pound for pound and what it means to them. I've always been a guy who says your resume gets you in, although you can get in, you know, if the eye test is overwhelming, but it's more the eye test. It's more the traditional of who would be, who in a mythical match that allows you to jump up. You know, that's why I think when there's an aging champion who's accomplished everything, but he's starting to slow down and not look great. You don't, you don't keep him at number three or four just because of that. You can slide him down because it's about right now, right? So I get that there's different debates or criteria here. But everybody has Lopez now higher than Lomachenko. And on the surface, that makes sense. Head-to-head, they, they met in the same weight class and you just beat him. I may be the only guy who still has Lomachenko higher than Lopez. And here's my take on that. Number one, we have such a small sample size for Lopez Against, I mean, not, not to disrespect, he fought the right guys. Top break matchmakers are genius. He fought the right guys at the right time and blew them away. But as we just talked about, it's Richard Comey. It was whatever was left of Magdaleno. 
And there's a lot of rock hard mighties, Mason Maynard's in there. So we just have really one instance or one and a half, if you count the Comey fight on how truly elite he really is. Now for his favorite, for his credit, if Lopez had knocked out Lomachenko in the round two, I don't think he would get the say as much respect as having seen him go 12 and react and have poise and have a game plan and have everything. But he only has that one little window that we saw. And Lomachenko did rally late to have people like you have an argument for a close fight. And the flip side of that is Lomachenko, like Canelo, is in a lot of ways the true definition of pound for pound. He can do it over multiple weight classes where that doesn't catch up with him. So while he just may have lost to a guy in Lopez who might be the best lightweight in the world right now in an absolutely loaded lightweight division, tomorrow Lomachenko can go back to 130 in my eyes, Rafe. Not loaded. Don't even do that. It's not loaded. Loaded with potential. Yes, I'll go with that. Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney. Loaded with potential of guys who aren't going to be at lightweight for more than two years. Um, Because Lomachenko can go back and right tomorrow could be the best 130-pound fighter in the world, and if he could still make it, you'd probably favor him to beat featherweight, even though there's always great featherweights out there. I think that is enough in my eyes because Lomachenko did make the right adjustments. He just started late, bro, and he didn't get battered the first seven. He just got beat. I think that until we see a little bit more from Lopez, I got Lomachenko higher. Is that a crime in this mythical BS pound for pound that I still think has merit and value, which is why I care about it? Do you think that's a crime? Look, some people think that's a crime. I think that's fair. You just argued, you made a argument that makes sense, that like has coherence to it for why you think that. And, and I get it. And in a lot of ways, the thing I like about what you've done is that by not forcing yourself to put Lopez over Lomachenko because it's like okay like you said it was a fairly close fight or it could have been you know some it it was not a complete whitewashing uh and do you don't look at that and say man I want to drop Lomachenko out altogether or much further past five six seven in that range and by not forcing yourself to put Lopez above him then you don't run into the problems I ran into when I was trying to you know I just tried to throw together a list to see what I would do based on what I used to have and by putting if I said I said to myself all right I don't think Lomachenko really deserves to go lower than five well then I have to make Lopez four well if that's the case and I have you know Canelo and Bud Crawford in the one and two spots that means either Errol Spence or Inoue or some other extremely, extremely elite fighter is going to get jacked all the way down to six. And that doesn't look right either. So it's, it's, it's we're in kind of like an impossible pound for pound moment. As long as you are someone thinking about it with a clear brain, you know, just just do whatever, you know, do whatever makes sense to you. And if you agree or disagree with somebody's list, then that's all I say at the end of the day. Um, so I think you're right, because look, we are at a rare time, and I've talked about this last last year in Pound for Pound, where I believe that there are four to five guys with a legitimate case, where normally it's one, two, and maybe a hipster third if you're lucky. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys short of, you know, Lomachenko exiting that conversation that had a claim. So let's get into it here uh, in terms of where we went with it and all that. Um, I'm going to tell you first, Rafe, who's the honorable mention? Who's on the outside looking in on my list? Are you ready for this? I am ready, Weaver. I only want you to stop me if, if, if it's egregious in your eyes, okay? Okay. Leo Santa Cruz, honorable mention. Look, honorable mention, I'm not, I'd, I'd be fighting you if he was top 10. Nadi Golovkin, honorable mention. Good. That's fine. That's fine. Jose Ramirez. 
Oh, yeah. Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor. Okay. Jermel Charlo. I think there's a strong argument right now for Jermel being solidly in the back end, like in the 8 to 10 range. Uh, it took me a minute to realize it, but his resume, he's got three be- – look at me, Max. I have three belts. Kazakhstan forever, except in Houston, Texas. You already know he's the best, Brian. And uh, seriously, though, uh, besides reciting sound bites that your viewers may not actually even know uh, – off the hook for you saying that. I, I just find that all incredibly hypocritical. Uh, finally, I don't give a goddamn mother f what in a donut. What that person, uh, Brian, Jamel Charlo, he's got the resume. I, I think that looking at my list, I probably would take uh, Beterbiev out and replace him with 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 Charlo. As great, I think Better Beterbiev is great, but honorable mention. Arthur Beterbiev. Okay, okay. The Vodzik knockout, I had him in there. He just so happened to get bumped out, not to his doing. He delayed his October return due to injury. We're probably going to see him against B-Ball next year. He's probably going to win in a great fight, and he'll probably be back in this top 10. No right. Love the man. My last honorable mention, Juan Francisco Estrada, who returned <sighs> Friday uh, in a rematch with Carlos back knee quadris. And, oh, by the way, Rafe, he's been in and out of my top 10 for like seven years. Why? Why? Because I know this game, right? Right, brother? I'm calling my shot over here. So you're good with that. You're ready for me to break down the top 10. Yeah, do it. Do it. Lay it on me. Here we go. Number 10, Rafe, Jermall Charlo. I thought from that Charlo pay-per-view in which both were stepping up to the top level for, for not the first time, but for Jermall, really at middleweight for the first time, Dervinchenko was, was elite. He brought it to him. And the fact that Jermall was able to make so many adjustments, hold the distance, not fold when the fight got rough, and is the perfect embodiment, in my mind, in a classic historic division of the balance between speed, size, power, athleticism, IQ, boxing ability, all that. Rafe, he finally has the stamp at 160 that he was the guy he was at 54. I don't see how you can hold – I don't see how you can have a top 10 without either Charlo basically at 11 or 10 or right there. You know what I'm saying? Well, that is correct, but my friend, you picked the wrong Charlo. I look, I, I I may I think I agree with you overall that who do I think deep in my boxing soul is the better fighter? And he and he man was that important performance against Dervinchenko impressive uh, last month. But Brian here or was it earlier this month? I don't even care when it was. But Brian, you can't you can't you said you you said earlier. Resume gets you on the list. Well, just that one really good win and the earlier win against J-Rock Williams. All right, that's pretty good. But compared to his twin brother, Jermel has such a better resume. Has has, like many, many good wins, more belts. He's he's earned it right now. And I think Jermel probably will go on to be better. Honestly, I don't even see how the way he looked against Dervinchenko. I was thinking about this. I don't even know how you go about beating Jermel Charlo right now. But- Exactly. Like when he says I'm the best middleweight in the world and obviously would love to see him against Canelo, he, he might not be wrong. And part of that is because we don't know if Canelo is still a middleweight. Another thing is I got to see Canelo beat him. Not, you know, I got to see it happen. I got to see it. And don't discount the Korobov win, all right? <laughs> Korobov is about 38 and drunk. Yeah, but he was, he was tough that night. The difference right now, real quick, I think Jermel doesn't project himself the best he can be because he's too in love with headhunting and it lowers his punch output and even though he dominated banana rosario 
had that fight gone the distance, the punch separation between them would have been so wide. All right. So we got to, we got to, you know, we got to keep going here. Here we go. Sliding on from here. Number nine, Teofimo Lopez Jr. I've seen people have him as high as four, five, or six. Nine okay with you? Well, I think he should be higher. I think I, in my, I think I understand how you're doing it, but I would have him above wherever I put Lomachenko. I'm putting him one above uh, Lomachenko. Okay. Okay. We move on from there. And look, I got to see, maybe we see a rematch and maybe it'd be more competitive or maybe he chocolatitos him like SSR in the rematch. And I don't know. We'll find out on that. Number eight, Tyson Fury. Now, look, I'm always the guy who doesn't put heavyweights in my top 10 unless they really, really, really are dominant mixed with have such a good ability in the ring, typically as a boxer. Like I thought Lennox Lewis was top 10, right? Because he could do everything. I didn't think Vladimir Klitschko was in a lot of ways because in the mythical mindset of your head, if you put him in there against a guy more skilled from a lower weight class in the mythical division, they're going to beat him. I think Tyson Fury's special. I think he belongs in here right now. He is special. I, I, I still, Tyson Fury is the fighter that convinced me to take heavyweights out of my list because he just, it just blows the whole thing up right now. Here's the only, here's the big flaw that I all, we already see coming with the Brian Campbell list. It's that you have two fighters ranked above guys who you don't think, or we already know wouldn't, they wouldn't beat in their own divisions. You have Usyk over Tyson Fury, we think that we probably would favor Fury in that fight. And I love me some, some Alexander Usyk. I, I, I have six kebabs in my house. I love him, but I, don't th- I, don't, I wouldn't pick him over Fury at this time. Likewise, we just saw Lomachenko fail his own test making against Lopez. And how are you going to have both of them ahead? Here's how I'm going to counter you. Usyk did his pound-for-pound work at cruiserweight. He only has one heavyweight fight, and you can't really count that in the equation because he fought a Chaz Witherspoon. He fought a you know a nobody. So we're still judging him on the cruiserweight until he shows up at heavyweight against Chisora. If he don't look good, if he ain't a real heavyweight, he's gonna slide. So right now he's still the guy that beat double kebab on his own. Bell you BC on the call. Gotta keep moving here. All right, uh, number seven. Manny Pacquiao. Normally, after a year of inactivity, we pull guys from the list. That's the rule. If you don't have a fight scheduled, the COVID blew everything up there. But I don't know if he's injecting his calves. If he is, keep doing it. Because what he did against Keith Thurman last July, he still he still got it. Still got it, bro. He deserved to be there. I think. Look, I would listen to an argument taking him off because when we uh, do, we actually expect him to be in a meaningful fight again, whenever, no, if he's trying to make a fight with Conor McGregor, that's not a real fight. And then he might retire with a boatload of money. And that's it. I have a theory real quick. This is not based on connections. Uh, news breaking. Can Teofimo go up and fight Manny? I would love that. I want that. That's the tail fight. I want and need people are like, can we make it happen with Haney? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, no, they can't. It ain't happening. It's probably not. So uh, much rematch is, is, is a good chance. Also a good chance. He moves up to 140, and they, they say, why are we going to F around with Wilma again? Maybe that wizard could figure this out. I don't know. Manny is the fight to make. But real quick, uh, Dana White is you know he's constantly threatening to announce this. What if, you know, I, here's another one I want. I'm oh, sorry. To- I'm talking to this man like I'm talking man. to right All right, all right. Dana said he got a big announcement coming. We know he wants to make Manny Connor. We know Manny just officially signed with Connor's management team. I'm wondering if Dana's big... Foray, big announcement, 
What if he got Mikey Garcia, who tends to be a free agent, and matched him with Manny? That's a fight we kind of almost saw happen a lot over the last year. We know both are free agents. What if that's the fight Dana's looking to do? If that's your Zufa boxing launch, you could do a lot worse, Ray. If that's actually a pretty good fight. It'll be all downhill after that for Zufa boxing. But if they can make that fight happen, I'd love to see it. Oh, I also want to say I would even be down for Teofimo Lopez to go up and fight Terrence Crawford. All right. He he already put his balls on the line. He could keep doing it. It'd be, it would be like Shane Mosley moving up two divisions and, and beating Oscar. It would be wild, but he's ballsy. We know that. I don't know how much longer he can make 35. I get Alexander Usyk, number six, for all the reasons we mentioned. Number five, Vasily Lomachenko. And I'm showing him a lot of respect for that. I know it. Here's the top four. And again, I think this top four, it literally could be in any order, Rafe, although I think a lot of people are disrespecting Big Red right now. For me, it's number four, Errol Spence Jr., number three, Terrence Crawford, number two, the Japanese monster, Niowa Inoue, and then Canelo, number one. Quickly, I'll tell you, the reason why I put Inoue above both welterweights is because Spence has a lot of explaining to do, although we don't judge your pound for pound on how we think you may not look when you come back, right? But... Crawford, I'm sorry, like he just doesn't have the resume. It's just not enough elites there. You can blow away B and B plus all day. There just ain't no elites there. So if I'm fine-tuned, fine comb comparing, the Japanese monster keeps moving up way and weight and keeps sending dudes to hell. And he did survive Nonito, okay? Jaren's data, he did survive him. So uh Inoue is number two. And if you don't have Canelo number one right now, I got a problem with you. Brian, it hurts me to to agree with you on that because I have uh, I've been trying to stop Canelo from being as great as he has been through my voodoo dolls and everything else. I've got Joe Boo cooking up in one locker. I've got the woman from March for Death doing putting out putting out cigars on the other side, and and the man just keeps on performing. I will the, the, even the Canelo pick. It's tough because that's a guy who I know you have scored. To at least two, maybe three fights against. So there's this side of you like, yeah, he does have the best resume, but I don't even think he won all the fights that he has on his resume. I held it against him for a while. I scored Trout against him. Many, few people did. I scored Lara against him. Half the people did. I scored Triple G against him both times. And I scored the Danny Jacobs fight a draw with people thought I was losing it. It's good. That was a close fight. It was a close fight. The close uh, fight. It's just he's now he's now embodying pound for pound, winning titles at 68, 75. So at this point, his adjustments, his growth, his everything, Rafe. Canelo's the best fighter in the world at this moment. If you have Crawford, I'm not gonna kill you. If you have a new way, I'm not gonna kill you. Spence is also in that discussion, but I'm glad as a ginger, and by the way, I thought your jacket there said said uh, it says Hinebra, Hinebra, Lahing Hinebra. Pinoy, um, I thought that it was, you know, ginger friendly. And I know that that's something that you shy away from, but the women like that, Ray. I do like ginger. I do. I love ginger. Mm. You're wrong with that, right? What's wrong with that? Right. Ready? What you like? Money, money. I like money. Uh, Cowboy Carl, the ginger, coming back on the uh, Tank Davis undercard. Uh, we got to wrap this soon, but any, any major differences in your list to mine that you want to bring up that uh, – how did you I, instead, Brian, I want to throw a hypothetical at you because uh, th- there's another fight coming up on the horizon very near uh, that has the potential to further blow up pound for pound lists. And I hope this isn't the case. It's not what I want to see. But in the chance that Errol Spence 
isn't himself anymore after in his first fight back from that horrifying car crash that he was in after going out. Yeah. All that stuff. No seatbelt. If Danny Jacobs, his thing comes back and he gives it to Spence. Is that where you're going with this? Well, no, that's I look as Spence is not the same fighter and he loses to Danny Garcia. How much credit does Danny Garcia get? Does Danny Garcia get to go into the pound for pound list? But if we clearly see that Errol Spence was not the Errol Spence of old, it's a, it's a real boxing is in a pickle with that one. You realize, Oh, that's Danny. Yeah, It is Danny's night. I mean, believe that I've got a lot of sound drops to tell you about Danny, but uh, you know, and I'm saying, this is Danny's night. Um, yeah. I, yeah, he's got to show up that night, win or lose. He's got to show up, and if and if he does, and Danny wins, Danny's gonna get the credit. Danny's great. People forget this. People forget because of the Goonies and the stupid masks and the CNG twins and the cherry picking and the Salka fight and the Mar- Mauricio Herrera. The times he got beat by a couple other guys. Mom Pierce beat him, right? We saw that. We saw that. You know, it did exist. It did exist. Um. Yeah, there's there's potential to shake it up. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want the shit to be shaken. Okay, where Canelo's your king right now. That's what it is. Rafe, the more that these days go on, and we're gonna wrap in a second. I want to see Lomachenko Lopez too. I want to see what happens if Lomachenko starts as daring, not recklessly daring, but smart daring earlier. And let's let, let's say he believes he's figured something out, right? It does increase the odds that he gets stopped. And again, maybe he does like chocolatito. So you know, source to rat guy, uh, part two, or maybe Lomachenko wins. I mean, I I think it was in a unique enough fight where it's not out of the question. It's probably the biggest money fight for both. I just wonder again if you're Team Lopez and you look at it, you go, not worth it, not worth it. Well, I don't know if it's a not worth it. Look, they they don't lack for confidence. I think that if that's the best opportunity they have early next year and you know Lomachenko will once again be coming off of uh, shoulder surgery so maybe that makes him just as easy to beat for for Lopez I don't know but I would look I I would be happy with that rematch because like I just it is interesting to me I do want to see what would happen if Lomachenko starts the fight early does not wait does not play it safe I want to see him go for it you know you we talk about daring to be great and Lomachenko has done that over the course of his career in a lot of ways. But in this situation, it seemed like he saw something he didn't like and he shied away. And I don't know if that's, uh, I don't, it's, I was disappointed. I wanted the same way I was disappointed when Triple G really didn't use much more than his jab, couldn't pull the trigger on the right against Canelo in the first fight, even though I scored it for Triple G. I was disappointed he didn't take more chances. And that's easy to say. I'm not in there taking fire back from Lopez and Canelo. But you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm gonna be honest here. I say if you ain't if you ain't willing to risk being knocked out to try to win, then you ain't trying. Now Loma did do that in the second half. You got to do it earlier. Do I believe that in my heart? Yes, I do. All right, thank you very much. Uh, please continue to contribute. Uh, I mean, sorry, patronize and follow the Morning Combat crew and all we do on the skinhead side, on the box side. This guy Rafe and I, we're gonna keep doing this. All right, the boxing hardcore. We're not regular fans, okay? We are two hard men. We're gonna keep giving it to you, tackling the big topics, coming in, in and out, just like college, right? I, I ain't pulling out for nothing, Rafe. Um, Rafe Boogs, where can we follow you? At Rafe Boogs on Twitter. Uh, you know, you you formerly we saw your boxing writing, great work in Grantland on the athletic.com. Where can we see you today? 
Still writing the uh, Ring City USA newsletter for our friends about to start their series up next month on uh, NBC Sportsnet. Uh, it's been fun. I'm doing that sort of every other week slash week. It, it, it changes. Uh, I'll have one out next week if people want to check for that. That's the best work in the game right there. Patronize his books. He is a great author. McSorley's My Father and Me. Right? Shouts to, to Kriegel. Fantastic book right there. All right. For Rafe Bugs, it is your boy, BC. Uh, Lopez, he's pound for pound worthy. Let's see what the future brings. Um, I know I'm out of here. Rafe, you got any words for the people? We out.